first of all, I want to thank my mom and dad, um, the eldership team. Let's sit down, maybe, uh, for allowing me to do this. Um, I don't know how many of you guys have grown up in church, but this is not usual. Um, I'm 17 years old, and most people consider 17-year-olds to be stupid, which is kind of true. But um, but <laughs> they are they are letting me do this, and like, is that dumb of them? Maybe, but they have recognized something in me that hopefully can impact you guys, and not because of how amazing I am, but because of how amazing Jesus is in me. And so I'm going to start off with, oh shoot, what did I do here? Okay, we're good. There we go. Um, with testimony from the the week. So the main thing from the week that I noticed and that I'm sure those that were there noticed was that everything was about Jesus. And that's the same thing that I experience every time that I go to one of these equip things is that everything is about Jesus. We're focused on Jesus. We're worshiping Jesus. We're talking about how Jesus is going to move in us and through us. We're talking about his power, his glory, his love for us, all that stuff. Um, and I'm so grateful for Tyron, the leader of the NCMI team, who is always so focused and kind of like transfixed on Jesus no matter what. Um, there was just a very, very deep sense of the presence of Jesus during worship, especially just like I think like on the first night there were like 400 people, right? And then there were like about 400 people on on the Friday nights, yeah. And like just like so many people in one place worshiping Jesus. And like as we were doing that, like you could feel his presence with us. Like I couldn't see Jesus with my physical eyes, but I knew that he was there with us, with all of us. Um, I had one particular moment, I think it was – Thursday night when I was being prayed over, um, someone asked for all of the local churches to like get together. So it was my family of four with Mickey and um, my dad began to pray over me and he just began to pray over like this call of like leadership over my life and he just began to pray um, that as I led people that it would be all about loving people and Jesus's love for people and that just that just cut me right to the heart in the best of ways it just it was just such a good reminder and i like it felt like god like i don't know how to say this it sounds weird but it felt like god stabbing me in the chest in a good way and it felt like he was killing something in me of something of confusion and something that was getting this warped taking it away from the fact that this is all about loving Jesus and loving people and he like killed that within me and I was just standing there in awe of his presence and just the fact that he loves me and he wants to love people through me and I just had a amazing encounter with Jesus in that moment um, and then it's just always cool just meeting with people like just talking to people um, building friendships. Uh, I noticed that it seems like there's something pretty big happening in North Carolina, um, as probably both of you guys mentioned. Um, we have like a couple new partnering churches, is that right, in North Carolina? Yeah, and two, two new partnering churches, and there's a lot going on there, and then 
one big thing for me to see was my friend Joel Daniel, who he was here a couple months ago. He's he preached was was that Thursday that he preached? I think it was maybe Friday. Yeah, on Friday morning he he preached, and it's just very clear that Joel he's really stepping into what God has called him to be. Like he's so like. I don't want to make it all about him, but, like, he's so, like, impressive. Like, he, and, like, it's very clear that he's, like, just truly chasing after Jesus and that God is truly establishing him in his place. Um, um, and there's just such, like, a, like, a power over him and just, like, um, yeah, it's very clear that he's allowing God to use him and just transform him. Um, and then just it was very clear that God was speaking to all of us and revealing himself to all of us, especially through worship, but even through like the preaches, even through like personal words from people afterwards, during, before and after. Um, yeah, so it was very clear that Jesus' spirit was with us. His presence was with us. Um, and he was moving through people, especially as we worshiped. So now I'm going to talk a little bit, I guess it's like the preach segment of what I'm doing, but it's all kind of one thing. Um, talk about cultivating the, the, the presence of Jesus in our own lives. If you're someone that likes taking notes, I like taking notes. Um, I like to title stuff. So if I were titling this sermon, I would call it Cultivating the Presence of Jesus Through Faith, Worship, and Abiding. Um, and we're going to get into all of those individually uh, in the coming minutes. I think I have nine minutes left. I don't know. Like, I might go over. I'm not sure because this is, this is taking longer than I thought it would. But, um, but um, so why we need his spirit and why we worship, um, this is something that I've come to know much more on a personal level of why we need his spirit, why we need Jesus so I'm going to read Galatians 2.20, one of my favorite verses. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So that's not the whole verse, but I'm going to stop there. When we accept Jesus into our lives, accept his spirit, it's no longer us that live in our own strength and our own flesh, but it's Jesus that lives alive in us. And that's a very like abstract concept to even wrap your head around. But once you've experienced that for yourself, it's a very real thing that Jesus lives in you. Um, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So while, while we were sinners, while we, while we didn't profess our faith in Jesus, while we hadn't accepted him into our hearts we were biblically speaking spiritually speaking dead um when i was when i was six years old i gave my life to jesus i'll never forget the day that i was baptized by my dad in johannesburg south africa and i can remember in front of a big crowd of people explaining to them in my little six-year-old voice why i wanted to give my life to jesus and of course in the years since then, I've had many ups and downs and all, like, crazy stuff. But when I was six years old, I professed Jesus as Lord. I believed that he was the king of the universe, the 
king of kings. And ever since then, I have been saved. I have had spiritual true life, the presence of Jesus. And of course, there have been moments where I haven't felt the presence of Jesus. And moments like, but, but he has been with me. His, his, his spirit, his presence has been with me ever since then. Um, so before I made that decision, I was functionally dead. I had biotic life. I walked, I talked, I did all the things that you do in life, but I was dead. But then when I accepted Jesus into my life, professing him as Lord and having faith in him, um, and like I, I had true life because of Christ. And without him, we can do nothing because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but if you are dead, you can't do anything because you're not alive. So <laughs> if we are spiritually dead without Jesus, we can do nothing. Therefore, if we have Jesus, we are alive, and therefore he can do things through us. And then just to back this up, Ephesians 2 says that while we were living in sin, living in the flesh, we were dead. But when we accept Jesus, and like, this is just like a paraphrase, I'm not actually like reading Ephesians 2, but it says that while we were dead in sin, that, that while we lived in sin, we were dead. But when we accepted Jesus into our hearts, into our lives, we had true life. Um, and that's, that's the presence of Jesus, and that's why we need the presence of Jesus, is for life. Um, and um, uh, like I said when I was like titling this thing, um, the presence of Jesus, I believe, comes through or like cultivating that presence of Jesus because we, once you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he lives inside of you. He's always with you. He says that in, in Matthew 28 that he will be with us always. But we don't always feel his presence. You're never going to feel the presence of Jesus 24-7. Like I wish that we did, and I'm sure it is possible to feel his presence at all times, but I know that I have not felt his, his presence all the time, but there are ways to cultivate his presence, and it's not something that we muster up. It's, it's something that we do through, like I mentioned, faith, worship, and abiding. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about faith and abiding and what that even means in a couple minutes, but right now I'm going to focus on worship and what worship is. Worship is complete sacrifice of ourselves, of our own needs, our own desires, our own thoughts, and surrendering and magnifying the person of Jesus that is alive, that is no longer dead, that he died for us and he was dead for three days, but he's no longer dead. He is alive and he's seated at the right hand of God in heaven. Um, and um, we, have, we have so many things to worship Jesus for. I could sit up here and list a million things that we can worship Jesus for, but I'm going to list, or I'm going to say, to me, the biggest reason that we can worship Jesus and why he is, why, why, why he's so personal to us. Matthew 27, 50 through 52 talks about Jesus on the cross dying for our sins. I'm sure we've all, we've all heard this, this many times, um, but I'm just going to read it and then explain some of it. Um, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. 
Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. I, I kind of, like, I've grown up in church all my life, but I never knew what the veil being torn meant until, like, a couple years ago. Like, truly, the veil being torn represented a separation between God and man. Before Jesus died for us, there was a separation between God and man. And Jesus sacrificing himself for us, taking on the weight of sin, death, sickness, taking on all these things, he, that veil was torn. And now that we, as people who have professed our faith in Jesus, have complete access to Jesus. We have complete access to that true life that I talked about earlier. Complete access. Jesus wants to be with us. How do I know that? Because he died for us. He laid down his life. If he didn't want to be with us, I don't think he would have laid down his life for us. So that, like, we have so much reason to worship Jesus just in that. Just, he died for us. And like Tyron says, he says this all the time that he's convinced that if just one of us, if any one of us were the only person that lived on this earth, he's convinced that Jesus would come down and die for that one person. And I would agree with that. Like, Jesus, there's such a personal thing about Jesus that he's come to live in our spirit or live in our hearts, live in our spirits. Um, And then, and then just about cultivating the presence of Jesus through, I'm going to go over, Dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Cultivating the presence of Jesus through um, the other two things that I mentioned. So we talked about worship. We talked about how a true worship is surrendering yourself to Jesus, magnifying Jesus. Um, um, and I also want to mention that worship, true worship, is worshiping and magnifying Jesus when your circumstances don't don't look necessarily good. And this is something that I have been learning about more and more in like the past few months. Worshiping Jesus, even if you're even if you're walking through the hardest thing that you've ever looked at, worshiping Jesus is saying, God, I see that. I see that problem. Because we have real problems. We have real hard circumstances. But God, I see that problem. And not to sound cliche, because it's not. I see that problem, but I recognize that you are bigger than this. That you that you died for me. That you are risen, exalted at the right hand of God. Truly victorious. Truly victorious. That death has no sting because of you and your power. That's what worship is. It's truly believing and worship and just like, praising, crying out to God that he truly has conquered everything. It's one thing to say that, but it's a whole other thing to, like, to me it almost feels like like looking at my problems is like looking here, worshiping is like looking this way, like just choosing to believe, like, okay, this is going on, but actually, like, this, this thing is defeated because of Jesus. And that's very hard to do when you're walking through really hard circumstances, feels very unnatural to worship in the face of like adversity but like that's I mean 
that's what we've been called to do and that's that's part of how we that's part of how we cultivate the presence of Jesus and then um and then um one of the other things is abiding uh James Lusk touched on this a bit uh, when he preached um at the equip he said that that abiding in Christ just simply means to be obsessively fixated on the person of Jesus. And that's a very, that's like a perfect way of putting it, in my opinion. Obsessively fixated on the person of Jesus. Desiring, like, desiring his power. Desiring him as a person. Um, And I think abiding kind of looks like Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. If we are sitting there just chasing after the presence of Jesus, if we are not like spiritually knocking at that door, asking, seeking, and knocking for Jesus, he will come and meet us there because like I mentioned, he he wants to be with us. Um, abiding means to stay or to remain. So as we remain in Christ, as we are constantly seeking after the spirit of Christ, we are remaining in Christ and he is with us. That's that's how we cultivate that presence by obviously we're going to in a moment maybe like we see something that we don't like and we lash out in anger. We see something that we don't or that we're afraid of and we like kind of drift into like anxiety. But that abiding and cultivating that presence is leaving that place of anxiety, leaving that place of fear, and just coming back to Jesus and wanting him, desiring him, acknowledging his power. Um, abiding in Jesus is, is not something that we conjure up and that we try to make happen forcefully. Um, we can't manufacture the presence of Jesus. Um, but luckily, he comes to us. Um, Acts 2.21 says, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that refers to when we first call upon Jesus. That, that, that refers to like initially being saved by him. But, but as we call on him for the rest of our lives, we shall be saved in that moment. Like He will come and meet us right in that moment as he met us the first time that we called on his name and acknowledged his lordship um where was i um yeah um yeah i'm just um and then the last so we've talked about worship we've talked about abiding and then faith, and, and it, like kind of all of these things like run together. It's kind of like we do all of them together. Like as we worship him, we have to have faith in him to worship him because we have to have faith in the words that we're saying. Like we have to have faith that, yes, Lord, you do reign above it all. Yes, you are worthy of it all. And we have to abide as we worship because we worship and we're not just singing songs to a like white screen. We're singing songs to a king, to a to a God and we have like to do that because we can't see like I can't see or like 
like I can see you guys. We can't see Jesus, but we know that he's with us. So we are abiding in that spirit. And but then but then the key component that kind of ties the worship and the abiding together is faith. Without faith, like this this is all gonna crash and burn, I guess. <laughs> but um um a key story of faith that came to just came into my heart as I was preparing for this last night from Matthew seventeen. Um, the disciples, Jesus' disciples were, they wanted to cast out a demon that was in someone, and they couldn't. Um, and they were kind of wondering why, because they saw Jesus cast out demons, and they were like, Lord, speaking to Jesus, why couldn't we do this? And he said in Matthew 17, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, and a mustard seed, I don't know if you've seen a mustard seed, it's quite small, but if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So if we, if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, biblically, we can move mountains. I'm someone that believes wh- what the Bible says. If we have faith as a mustard seed, we can move mountains. So if we have the ability to... If we have the ability to, through faith in the power of Jesus, to do something as massive as moving mountains, surely faith in Jesus is going to cultivate his presence. Just, just If we just acknowledge Jesus as Lord faithfully, saying, God, I, I see what's going on down here in the natural realm, but I have faith in you, surely he will meet us right where we are, and we will have his presence there moving in us, and through us to the people around us, and we will be activated in the calling that he has for all of our lives. So this all sounds cool, worshiping Jesus, having faith in him, all that stuff sounds cool, and I have experienced moments before where I'm worshiping, I'm doing the thing, I have faith in Jesus, all that stuff, like on a Sunday, like I'm doing that, and I feel great, Monday goes by, Tuesday goes by, I'm feeling great, Wednesday, Thursday comes around, I start to have problems at school. I start to encounter issues like with, like, I don't know, people around me. And I start to lose that intimacy and connection with Jesus. So how do we maintain this presence and maintain that presence of Jesus with us that can move through us? Um, so, um, yeah, it's a big thing. And it's kind of it's kind of as simple as continue to do the three things that I mentioned regardless of circumstances. Continue to worship Jesus in the face of the real challenges that we face when we leave those intimate moments of connection with him. Continue to have that true faith that that is able to look circumstances in the eye and say you do not have power over Jesus. Jesus has defeated you. And A very, very key thing, I think, is to know that he will never forsake us. And that sounds potentially corny, but Jesus Jesus promised when he left his disciples to go back into heaven that he will be with us always, especially as we step out in faith. If If we are searching for the spirit of Jesus, if we are abiding him and desiring him, I promise you, that I have seen through the scriptures, I've seen in my own life, he will never forsake us. We may feel, we may feel forsaken because of lack of faith, lack of our eyes being on him, but he 
has never forsaken us unless we forsake him. And even then, he's still crying out for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, like, I know that this this verse has meant a lot to me. It's meant a lot to my dad. It's meant a lot to my family. Psalm thirty-seven twenty-five. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. This was David, right? I think it was David, the psalmist of David. Yeah, probably the psalm of David. He was saying that he's been young, and he's now an old man, and through all of his years, he's never seen the righteous people forsaken. So if we can be a righteous people, righteous does not mean perfect. Righteous means, I mean, in right standing with God. Yeah, I'm thankful for you just kicked me out there when I didn't know what to say. <laughs> Righteous means being in right standing with God, and we are in right standing with God when we desire him. We are not in right standing with God when we are perfect and blameless, because we're not. Spoiler alert, none of us are perfect and blameless. We are in right standing with God when we acknowledge him as Lord and we're searching after him. That's what he wants from us. That's what he wants. So continue doing that. Continue pursuing Jesus, abiding in Jesus, having faith and worshiping him. You will be in right standing with God, and He, his presence will be made known to you. So continue to abide in the face of adversity. And know this is a, this is a huge thing. It's been, it's been made known to me more and more the past couple months. Know that the devil is distinctly a liar. Everything, everything that comes from his mouth is lies. Everything. We, we may look at, so like, just for an example, m- my family has been involved in ministry for like as long as I've been alive pretty much. And sometimes, oftentimes, when you live for Jesus, you are not in the most comfortable circumstances in the world. There have been times where my family has... Um, where we, I mean, I've heard stories of like back in South Africa in the early days where we kind of kind of had to live off like eggs and beans and rice and like not, not exactly like gourmet food, just like barely making it by with Jesus, but barely making it by. Um, what was my point? Oh, yeah, my point was that was that even in the face of those circumstances, real circumstances, we're facing the real circumstance of financial droughts, so to speak. The lie in that circumstance is that God is not with us, that God has forsaken us, that God is not going to provide. That's a lie. That's not true. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what you say to yourself in that circumstance. That is a lie. That's not true. The truth is like Psalm 37:25 says that that the righteous have never been forsaken. That's the truth. And we don't have to have any specific like one verse on hand at all times during those tough moments. We just need to have a general knowing of who Jesus is. If if Jesus is who he says he is, this circumstance cannot be true. It can't. So knowing that as John 8:44 says, It says that when the devil speaks lies, he's speaking in his native tongue. What does that mean? It means that, like,
like lying, speaking lies, that is the devil's like native language. Like that is the language that he speaks. He he lies. It also says somewhere else in John, I don't know, but I promise you it's in there that the devil prowls around seeking to devour us like a roaring lion. Is that second Peter? You know? It's somewhere in the Bible. That's all that matters, right? <laughs> that the devil prowls around seeking to devour us like a roaring lion. So the devil is on the prowl. He wants to devour us, and ultimately he wants to destroy us to, to number one, disconnect us from Jesus, which will ultimately call us to not live in the glorious call that he has for every single human that will ever live. And um, so, but the key with the devil is he does prowl around like a roaring lion, he does speak things that are convincing because he's crafty with his words. Um, I've said before that the devil doesn't just go out and tell you that you are a horse because obviously you're not a horse. You just know that you're not. The devil's going to come after you with little crafty things that are very convincing, like the fact that you are, I mean, I keep coming back to this like financial thing that like, like, like the fact that you are like, you're struggling, you're barely making it by, the devil can very easily get you to think you're hopeless, you're going to die, all this stuff. He's crafty with his lies, but to know scripturally that he is a liar. He does not tell the truth. Um, so I, I think all of us need the presence of Jesus. He wants us to be with him. And um, yeah, I think, I think we, he wants to be with us, but our hearts need to be in that place of faith in him, true worship towards him, and abiding in his spirit. And that, I believe, is how we, as people, followers of Jesus, how we live in that place of connection with Jesus.